1 Corinthians 11 says the following. While you're standing, let me just read this in your hearing today. Therefore, Luke 11, 27, whoever eats this bread, everybody make sure you have one of these. Whoever eats this bread, drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him, after examining himself, let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I want to be a discerner of the Lord's body. I want to drink in a worthy way. And I believe by doing what this scripture says, it will help us to be worthy. And that is to take time and examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. And be ready and willing to do something about ourselves as we examine ourselves. So bear with me as we lean and lead up to the time and the service to receive this communion and be dismissed. Moreover, brethren, this is 1 Corinthians 10, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized. No, 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 hold on, hold on. We're going too fast. I want you to count how many times the word all appears. All right, watch this, watch this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, Praise God for the cloud that covered them from the heat of the sun in the day of the desert. All passed through the sea. Thank God they were free from Egypt when they passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses and in the cloud, in the cloud, and in the sea. That means they took on a new identity, an identity that was Moses-directed rather than Egypt-directed. Okay, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud, in the sea. Number three, verse three. All ate the same Spiritual food. You got it? Everybody got it? Are you all about ready? Do you realize this is not physical food? This is, I know it's a physical, physical juice and bread, but it's not physical in its symbolism. And what, is, what, is, what it is focusing on is definitely not physical. It says that they all drank, they all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. The power, the authority, the notoriety of these people in the wilderness was not in them. It was in what they consumed. I want you all to stop and think about that for a minute. They had shoes that would not wear out. They had clothes that would not wear out. They had incredible power and authority. They had God over them, the cloud over them. They had, they had a life that to many of us, we realize it's just, it would seem like that they're a mystery, uh, fictitious people because they're just, how could you do that for 40 years? The fact is, it was not about them. It was about what they ate. And it was about what they drank. 
Now, on that note, Jesus says, a certain man in Luke 13, 6, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came seeking fruit on that fig tree because that's what fig trees are supposed to do, right? Produce fruit. And when he came seeking fruit, it, he found none. All he found were leaves. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? The King James says, Why cumbereth it the ground? It's wasting soil. It's wasting hydration. It's wasting nutrition. It's wasting what it's eating and drinking. It's wasting the nutrition What it's consuming is not being replaced by productivity. He says, it's encumbering the soil. Why cumbereth it the ground? Why does it use up the ground? But the keeper of the vineyard said, Sir, let it alone this year also. I'll dig around it, fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, if not, after that, you can cut it down. The fourth year was going to be the year of the final test. I believe a few of us are in our fourth year with this pandemic. It's time for us to say, God, whether we've done anything for you or not in the past, it's time for us not to be those who eat and drink without something to show for it. Come on now. I wish it was just you and me in a room. Husband and wife, of course. I wish it was just us, because I'd love to share these words with you on a personal basis. And if you could kind of receive it as such, I think it would be as meaningful as possible. We're about to receive the Lord's Supper. And when we do that, I want every one of us to recognize that what we're doing is we're eating and drinking. With the option of growing fruit or not. And I hope after what I've said, it's not an option anymore. God, I want to grow fruit. I want to be productive. In Jesus' name. Before that, I have a message for you called, The Magic is Not in the Faucet. Okay? The magic is not in the faucet. In Jesus' name. Singers, join me right on the platform in just a few moments when we take communion. You all can return to your seats. Could I get you to join me and pray? I'm glad to be in a house of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, let your word make sense. Help pastor not to take forever to preach. And Lord, help him, I pray, to do a good job. Lord, I pray you give me words that are essential, words that are, that are abundantly productive, Lord, in the lives of everyone here, starting with me, God. For Lord Jesus, I do not want to be a consumer only. God, I want to be a producer. Jesus, turn me, Lord, not into a fig tree that's only got leaves, but I want to be a fruitful fig tree, receiving the food and the drink, the rock being Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. You are welcome to take your seats. Lawrence of Arabia became famous for his exploits as a British military liaison in the early 1900s. Lawrence of Arabia 
see there were desert raids, that he and his Arab rebels tied down many Turkish troops who could have been fighting the main British armies in the Middle East. Long story short, Lawrence of Arabia's struggle against the Turks during World War I was classic, classic guerrilla warfare. And his personal account has become a classic of world literature. Of course, many of you have probably seen the film called Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence wrote about his Arabian adventures, and he included a very important story I want to share with you. During the war, he formed close friendships with many of the sheiks of Arabia. After the war, he brought some of these Arabian sheiks back to England. They'd never been to England before, and he wanted to show his appreciation to these sheiks for their support against the Turkish domination. And they had a wonderful visit. It was so good having these sheiks from far away come to England and to participate and to see English life. They had a wonderful visit. They even met the queen of, of, uh, of England at that time and appeared before the parliament and house of commons. Now, on the last night of their visit, they're about to go home the next day, the last night of their visit, about to go back to the desert, about to go back to Arabia, Lawrence offered them anything they wanted to take back with them to their desert homes as a gift. They said, oh, I'm so glad you asked us and you gave us this wonderful opportunity. We would love these gifts that you have given us. And he's like, okay, what gifts would you like? Well, they said, come with us. We'd like to show you. They led him to the hotel room. And in the hotel room, they led him into the bathroom. And in the bathroom, they pointed to the faucets in the bathtub. And they said they wanted to take those faucets with them so they could provide their whole desert community with water. True story. They didn't realize that the faucets were superficial. The faucets depended on plumbing. Plumbing depended on hot water heating and an energy source that heats the water and depended on a city main that supplied the water and depended on a line from an outside source of water. The magic is not in the faucet. It is what is behind the faucet that counts. It is behind the wall. It is in the plumbing that really makes a faucet a faucet. Now, I want to tell you something right now from my heart. A faucet, let me preach about faucets for a minute, okay? Travel down with me to Home Depot. Let's go to the faucet aisle. A faucet can be 24 karat gold, but if it's not attached to a water supply, it is completely useless. You can polish it all day long and put it on a center mantle piece and say, whoa, look at my gold faucet. 
But if it is not connected to something that makes it productive and causes it to flow, then it is completely useless. This is how Jesus felt when he looked at the fig tree that was growing in perfectly good soil and it was not producing anything worthwhile. Basically, this thing needs to be yanked off the wall and thrown away because the magic is not in the faucet. Just existing as a fig tree and growing fig leaves is not enough for you to please God. And just existing is not enough for us to be what would make us ready for heaven. The magic is not in the faucet. The power that comes from what is behind the faucet is where we find the magic, if you want to call it that. Things that are not visible to the human eye, but they're there. Whoa, come on, somebody say, they're really there. They're there. They are there. They exist. The visible versus the invisible. God help us, I pray, not to be focused on the visible little cup and and bread. But Lord, let us focus on the invisible bread of the body of Christ and the invisible blood of Jesus Christ that that is symbolized when we receive this communion. And as we receive it, we recognize what we're getting. We're getting something. We're taking in something that is so powerful, so useful, so life changing and transformational. Folks, I'm expecting when somebody receives this communion today, after hearing this little message that you're going to start speaking in tongues for the first time and maybe for the first time in a long time as we let God help us to see the magic is not in the faucet if the pump or the plumbing or the reservoir or the well if they ever go out of service the faucet is useless have you noticed there are two kinds of people in the world those who you absolutely adore spending time with on a typical basis and those who seem to be more difficult to hang out with two types of people how many of you have way more in your life of the former than the latter I pray for you <laughs> I like to be someone who has way more of the latter than the former I want to be around people that I adore and, and I want to be someone who can be loved and adored and appreciated now here's what here's what I call the difference and I got this from brother Charles Grisham brother Charles Grisham wonderful minister who's gone on to meet the Lord, receive his reward. He's preached for us before. He said in his counseling sessions and his teaching, he said there's one of two two kinds of people in the world, fountains and drains. Now, I'm not calling anybody a drain. But I would like to call everybody a fountain today. The deal is we're called to love all of them. And sometimes you can't help but be a needy person and have needs, and that's okay. A lot of people are like, Pastor, I didn't want to call you because I know you have more responsibilities, more needs, and more people, bigger, bigger problems than mine. Well, thank you for trying hard not to be a drain. But I love drains too. I want to, you know what it would be amazing would be if we could all be a church of fountains. Wouldn't it be great if we could be a church of fountains? I want to be a fountain. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to be a fountain. I like to be a source. I want to be a source of flow from which praise is continual. You hear me? Woo, come on, somebody. Praise is continual. When you're around me for a few minutes, you're going to hear an utterance of praise. 
It would suit me just fine every day to be someone who has rivers of the Holy Ghost flowing through me and into the world around me, and you can't help but be around me and know that there is something flowing out of me that is really not visible and it's not really tangible, but it is something that you can comprehend because it is spiritual. I'd love to be that. Anybody want to be that kind of a person with rivers of water flowing out of your innermost being? Anybody would like to be that person? It would thrill me to be someone who daily is associated with spiritual fruit growing abundantly, growing abundantly. And people know you can come to me for fruit. And I'm not talking about me personally. I'm talking about me and you as a church. I want to be that kind of an individual and a part of a congregation. People know if they step into my world, there's going to be help. There's going to be value added. There's going to be some blessing that's coming their way. I'm not asking for a blessing. I'm ready to give a blessing. I'm ready to be a blessing. I want you to know when you come to me, I'm here to help. I'm here to teach. I'm here to love. I'm here to support. Woo. Three clear scripture passages illuminate what I just said. Out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. We are a royal priesthood showing forth his praises. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Now, for there to be affluence, I want us to be an affluent congregation. Okay, let me stop right there. How many of you like to be a part of an affluent church because everybody's affluent there? We've heard people say, I can't go to that church because they're all too rich. I wish they meant rich in abundant profusion of blessings. Because you don't have to be rich to go to God's church. You don't have to be rich to be a part of God's kingdom. But I want to know, how many of you like to be in an affluent church? I want you to break that word affluent down. The word affluent means flowing with blessings. Flowing with abundance, flowing without reserve, flowing because it has got lots of supply. God shall supply all your need according to your riches and glory, his riches and glory. You are not scarcity minded, but we're abundance minded. Because why? Because we are connected to the supply. We know where our help comes from. We know where our hope comes from. And we know who we're going to see in heaven someday. And right here, right now, we have every opportunity and we should be making sure our plumbing is connected so that we can be a profusion. That's a synonym for affluence. Affluence means abundantly flowing. You know, first thing you think of with affluence is you think of, you know, expensive stuff and rich people and nice cars and homes and yachts, right? But no, no, no. How about affluence in heaven's economy? You know what affluence in heaven's economy is? It's God's people. When he walks up to your tree, he sees you are loaded down with fruit. And when the world that's hungry and lost is hungry and ready for something in their lives that's going to transform them, they know when they walk up to you, you don't have a scarce supply. You don't have have to look at your calendar and check your pocketbook. You love them, and you're going to stop right there and pray. You're going to make sure that you are teaching, you're loving, you're reaching, and you care. You really care. Uh, Don't check your calendar to see if you care. Let's be a God-given people. Let's be a God-given church, reaching our community and saying, we're not here to check our calendar and check our our, our scarcity. We're here to give you from our abundance. I wish a few of you were listening to me today. I kind of get the feeling that some of your screen blink rate's slowing down. Come on. Let's, let's get on the edge of our seats. Brother Duffy, it's so good to see you, bro. I, I, I love sit, seeing you sit on the front, front of your pew like that. Like, like, I'm into this. I love it. I love it. 
Praise God. I want y'all to get into this with me, all right? Let this not just be Pastor Haman. This is not just my idea. This is something I heard from the Lord very clearly, that as a congregation, we've got to get it in our hearts and our heads. The magic is not in the faucet. Where do we get our magic? Where Where do we get our flow? We know where we get our flow. It comes from the Holy Ghost on the inside that's working on the outside. Praise God for that. I love what Jude in the New Testament says about our common salvation. He calls it our common. Everybody say common. Common Common salvation. How many times did you count the word all? How many? It was hard to count because pastor kept interrupting. Five times. You got to think about that for a minute, all right? Jude calls it our common salvation, repentance, baptism, inhabitation of the Holy Ghost on inside me. Woo! Speaking in other tongues. What a way to live. Actually, it's a lifestyle. And can I tell you something, church? Uh, the Apostle Jude, when he tells us about this common salvation, you know what he's referring to? He's referring to the Israelites who came out of Egypt together. Yeah, yeah. Time and location, they were all together. They didn't come out of Egypt seeking their own individual personalized route. Far too many television, television evangelists on today. What we need is to find apostolic truth. Cling to it. Love it. Now, now the, folks, when, they, when, they, when it was time to leave Egypt, they didn't seek special breaks in the fence that were just for them and their family. Or that's an alleyway I've got marked. I'm going to take that alleyway out. No. Or, or how about little hidden tunnels? No. They were looking for special ways to get out. There were not any special ways. They all exited Egypt the same way. This clarifies. This clarifies why we all have this common salvation called Acts 2.38, baptism in Jesus' name, filling of the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've all come through this together. It's a beautiful common salvation. Now, isn't it interesting? We can't stop right there. Communion is related to the word common. Today, as we prepare to receive communion, let the following thoughts get some traction. Ready? Jesus was the rock of supply that accompanied Israel through all of their wilderness experience. He didn't leave them. All of their wilderness challenge, he was there. All of their wilderness confusion, he was there. All of their wilderness patience, he was there. He was there for every funeral. He was there for every birth. Through it all, they had a flow. They had a flow that came from the rock. Folks, I don't know if you stopped to think about it, but the time that Moses hit the rock with his rod, that began to flow, it did not stop. Scholars most tend tend to think that there's a water flow that was carved from that rock into the desert landscape, flooding the areas that Israel was directed to by the cloud of day and the fire by night. They constantly had water. They constantly had bread. The manna from heaven. What a miraculous supply. It followed them. Once they became baptized out of Egypt and into God's new identity, they needed a sustaining and an accompanying source of supply. God didn't just have to say, figure it out now. Well, praise God, we're out of Egypt. Now what? No, God said, I got a plan. I'm not going to leave you on your own. 
For those of you who are understanding what justification is, that's what happens when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. We're justified, and someday we're gonna be glorified in heaven. Are you looking forward to a glorified body? Anybody with a little pain in your body right now, a little insufficiency in your body, look forward to that glorified body. That's called glorification. We got justification, and we got glorification. But can I tell you in the middle, what is it called? Sanctification. You're living in the middle of sanctification. If you have been justified, you're living in the middle of time where you have something to be very carefully responsible for during the interval between justification and glorification. It's called sanctification. The closer you get to God, the further you get from the world. The more you watch godly sermons on the internet, the less you're going to want to watch ungodly shows on the internet. It's kind of the same thing. That's called holiness. The more you get engaged in holy adventures and holy challenges and and you get involved in serving God, I'm going to tell you, the more you hate the world and you want to be with Jesus, the more time you want to spend on your knees talking to the Lord and communing with him on a daily basis. Folks, I'm so excited they they constantly had water. Did you read that? It said that rock followed them. Did you see that? It followed them. As those waters continued through the wilderness as a constant supply for them, So the grace of Jesus Christ is always sufficient for his people. Grace of Jesus is a sufficient supply, continual supply. Goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. And they followed, goodness and mercy followed the Israelites, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. The waters out of the rock. Listen to what the commentaries say. This is what scholars say, those who have studied the history. They say waters out of the rock ran like rivers, and it See, sometimes we watch our little little flannel flannel graph Sunday school teacher. God bless those who taught flannel graph Sunday school. And we, we see the rock and we think about somebody smacking the rock with a stick and then here comes a little trickle. And we think, well, isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. But folks, truth is, it could not have been a trickle. There is no way it was just a little drip. It was no doubt something that was like a fire hydrant blasting. It was something that was so sufficient that it would fill the entire countryside. I want you to hear this. You got to hear what what the scholars tell us. The waters out of the rock ran like rivers and followed them in the wilderness wherever they went for the space of 38 years or thereabout. And then they were stopped to make trial of their faith once more. At Kadesh, when the rock was struck again and gave forth its waters, which, as the continual raining of the manna, was a constant miracle worked by God for them. In this sense of the apostle, in this, it, and this sense of the apostle is entirely agreeable to the sentiments of the Jews. Okay, we're going to look back at the Jews right quick, all right? The Jews say Israelites had the well of water all 40 years. Jerusalem Targum says, the well given at Matana, that it again became unto them violent, overflowing brooks and again ascended to the tops of the mountains and descended with them into the ancient valleys. And to the same purpose, the the Targum writing says that it again ascended with them to the highest mountain and from the highest mountain it ascended with them to the hills and and encompassed the whole camp of Israel and gave drink to everyone at the gate of his own dwelling place. And from the high mountains, it descended with them into the deep valleys. You can't get away from God's water. Who would want to in the desert? Isn't that amazing? If you stay under the cloud, you're going to stay filled with the supply. Right. Woo! 
Woo, come on, somebody. It's going to follow you. There's a brand new river flowing wherever you are taken. Wherever God leads your life, there's a flow. And if you happen to be standing somewhere where there's no flow, check back where you left, last left the water. Yeah, that's, that's a good point right there. A little waypoint on your GPS. I got to go back to that point because there was water flowing then. Maybe I happen to step away from the flow. But can I tell you, the flow is still here. The flow is still going. The flow is still available. Hallelujah. Can I just tell everybody here right now that I, you can't get away from the flow if you stay in a position that is like, God, please, I want to keep on eating and drinking spiritual food. The drink and the food that is given from heaven. Hallelujah. Now, now, today, i got to tell everybody something very important here. This is so absolutely urgent that we catch this. The biggest problem with our brothers and sisters in the wilderness was that they received the flow, but they never became a flow. They were basically a cistern without any outlet. I want you to think about that. Now, don't raise your hand, but who of you know it's easier to sit in a high chair and eat your mama's spoon-fed baby food than it is to grow up and feed your own babies? Don't raise your hand, because I think everybody knows it's way easier to be a high chair sitter and just follow along and let your mama and your daddy feed you. What happens when we rise up and say, the children of Israel, no wonder they died in the wilderness. I know they were under a curse, but all they did was just eat and drink. They did nothing besides receive. They were consumers and not producers. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. They, I believe, understood something very important, and that is that there was magic behind what they were eating. But the problem is they didn't realize that they needed to become a faucet themselves. They were miraculous people, kept alive, kept sustained, and their supply was endless. But they stopped to real, They never stopped to realize, it's not all about me. Oh, my goodness, it's not all about me. Folks... We should constantly be having people ask, where do you get your power, Brother Hammond? Where do you get your power, Sister Kimball? You should be all sad now that you're a widow. And look, you're happy in the Lord. We should have people asking us, Bobby and Layla, how are you so happy? Well, we know you just got married. No, it goes further than the newlywed flush, right? I wish we had everybody in the sanctuary, people saying, where in the world are you getting that joy and that peace and that happiness and that confidence? Where are you getting it all the time? Why are you always going to church? How do you have such faith in the middle of a crisis? When they ask you, remember, the magic is not in the faucet. I'm a receiver, but God, please don't let it stop with me. I don't want to let this 
ground that I'm planted in be encumbered with fruitlessness. Lord, use me. Can I tell you, the Bible is resonating and reverberating all throughout it, talking about scriptures that, that, that talk about how that we have to be a profusion. We need to be an affluent source. I could go on and on and on. Uh, can I just read to you uh, Isaiah 44, verse number three? It says, God speaking, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. I want you all to catch this before we do communion. Isaiah 44, three. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, hey I said one more. Let, let, let me look, look, let's look at the Isaiah 58, 11. It says, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. That's not a coincidence that you're in church today. Not a coincidence. I want to tell you, God is guiding you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. COVID-19, notwithstanding, I will strengthen your bones. Now, Isaiah 58, 11, those last two lines. Would you read those with me, please, everyone, all aloud? You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Blessing others, not just taking a drink yourself, but giving a drink everywhere you go. Being a distributor, being a dispenser, being a profusion. I want to be a profusion everywhere I go. So today, as we stand together, musicians are joining and singers coming. I got to remind you what Jesus said in John 14, 414. Remember, we already read the scripture that says whoever drinks and eats unworthily drinks and eats da- damnation to himself. But here, I want you to read Jesus' words. Jesus said, whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him. Everybody say, in me a fountain. I want to be a fountain. Dad's in this house. You want to be a fountain? Mothers, you want to be a fountain? Children, be a fountain. Calvary is depending on you, church members, to become fountains. Not not people who are just consumers, but producers. Think about this October 25th ministry fair time. Think about this when it comes to going to see first responders after this service today. Think about this when it comes to all that God has blessed you with. And God has blessed you with this bread and this cup today. Don't receive it in a manner that sees it yourself as a dead end. No, no, no. I want it to become in me a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Hallelujah. Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. That's what he said. He said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. And I in him. The living Father sent me. I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me 
will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, but he who eats this bread will live forever. Let's pray a prayer of repentance right now. Would you join me, Heavenly Father? Before we receive this communion as a body, we thank you for the common salvation. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for our cleansing. Yes, God. Thank you for your body that was broken, God. Bruised for our iniquities, Jesus. Oh, God, by your stripes we're healed today. Lord, we cannot partake of this without remembering Jesus, the whole point. You designated your body and your blood to be that which is in me, an ever-flowing overflow. In Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'd find me speaking to my neighbors today reaching out to my loved ones today, speaking to those who are in need today. This broken, lonely world, God, help us to be that flow in their world that is so desperately needed. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us for inactivity, and Lord, welcome us back to a life that is filled with full participation in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name you will together let's partake of the bread thank you Jesus thank you for the bread Lord thank you for the bread Lord Jesus hallelujah thank you for the living bread while you have it in your mouth would you thank him for being the living bread he said I'm the living bread which came down from heaven if anyone eats this bread he'll live forever Thank you, God, for this symbolizing of your bread, the body of your bread, the bread of your body. In Jesus' name. Now, let us drink. Let us drink. His flesh is food indeed. His blood is drink indeed. Together we drink. Hallelujah. Oh God, while the fruit of the vine is on our tongues, we reach up to heaven in thanksgiving and dedicate ourselves to you all over again. In Jesus' name. It's prayer time. I'm inviting you to pray right where you are. Turn your space into a prayer meeting right now. God, we love you. We rededicate ourselves to you. Lord, let revival be our mantra today. Use us going forward, fearless, bold, ready. In Jesus' name, I turn this message over to you, brothers and sisters. Let's talk to the Lord about it. Carry it to the Lord in prayer as we lead in a meditative song right now. Thank you for your body and thank you for your blood, Lord.